Hello world and welcome to Podcast in A Minor, where I give a home to the weird little songs I've written and use them as springboards to talk about delightful discoveries to cultivate a delighted mind. In this way, I dismantle my negative thoughts before they tower into depression. Disclaimer, I am not a mental health professional, and this podcast is not meant as treatment or cure. I also know that my brand of occasional depression might not look like your own struggles. This podcast is meant to explore the delighted mindset and reach across time and space to share human experience. Herman Melville suggested we all rub one another's shoulders as we wait for the universal thump that comes around to us all. It's like that. And now for this week's opening song. Obsession suits me Obsession, you're my color I'm an autumn Obsession gets me I tell my stories while she nods and pours a tea Obsession lingers and makes me pretty with my hectic searching eyes Hello, world, and welcome to Podcast in A Minor. I'm Amy Zollers, a poet and an artist, and I'm in one of my moods. You just heard Obsession Poem on the Daisy Rock Purple Acoustic Electric Unplugged. This song, written first as a poem in 2020, was first forgotten somehow, which will seem strange perhaps as I reveal its history. And second, once remembered, I added it to my list of songs to podcast about, intending to save it for September. September is birthday month at our house. All birthdays fall in September, including the cats. So I'd been thinking I would load the month up with indulgent subjects, even to considering the writing of new songs to fit my fancies. But then on the 4th of July, my sister lent me a book. That book was... This is not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch by Tabitha Carvin. And I'll give you the synopsis here. Tabitha Carvin was a new mother at home with two young children when she fell for the actor Benedict Cumberbatch. You know the guy, strange name, alien face, made Sherlock so sexy that it became one of the most streamed shows in the world. The force of her fixation took everyone, especially Carvin herself, by surprise. But what she slowly realized was that her preoccupation was not about Benedict Cumberbatch at all, as dashing as he might be. It was about finally feeling passionate about something, anything, again, at a point in her life when she had lost touch with her own identity and sense of self. In This Is Not a Book About Benedict Cumberbatch, Carvin explores what happens to women's desires after we leave adolescence and why the space in our lives for pure, unadulterated joy is squeezed ever smaller as we age. She shines a light onto the hidden corners of fandom, from the passion of the online communities to the profound real-world connections forged between Cumberbatch devotees. But more importantly, she asks, what happens if we simply decide to follow our interests like we used to, unabashedly, audaciously, shamelessly, After all, Carvin realizes, there's true untapped power in finding your thing, even if that thing happens to be a British-born Marvel superhero, and loving it like your life depends on it. Okay, look, I'm just going to say that, in large part, that's just another day at the office for me. How I live my life, unabashedly, audaciously, shamelessly. People don't always know what to do with it. 
My husband is that way too. I'm not going to tell you how many bass guitars he owns, but it's part of why we could never afford cable TV. But he was also energetically treating me to guitars and effects pedals and a real boss electric piano along the way, so I wouldn't have dreamed of complaining. We met in our first year of college, working at the campus radio station. We both already had a long history of attracting ridicule for being, oh, you must be kidding me, enthusiastic about things. We met in 1992. Enthusiasm wasn't popular. The word nerd hadn't become cuddly yet. I'm going to pop right in here and say that motherhood was one of my obsessions. Unlike Tabitha Carvin, I didn't lose myself at all. I totally found myself in it. Or that's how it felt when my kid was born. No joke. I don't even care if that sounds dorky. I'd been really, really looking forward to motherhood since I was about 20. Then I had my kid when I was 31. I didn't know I was going to marry that guy from college radio or have surgery at 24 to remove ovarian tumors and all but half an ovary. But man, did I wallow in motherhood. I loved it. I loved being home from work and knowing where the sunshine landed on the living room wall at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I loved solving the problem of my kid kicking his socks and booties off on winter days, making him ever higher-topped booties with double rib stitch for better elasticity, and finally covering them in a pair of my own socks all the way up to the leg elastic of his diaper. I loved reading to him and knitting him little hats shaped like pumpkins and Christmas puddings and dragging him to look at the carousel at the mall on the days when he became impossible. I hardly put him down for the first two years. Joy. In fact, I wanted scads of children, which does sound misguided to me now in light of my semi-crippling fear of vomit, but no problem. The ovary thing slowed me down anyway. And yes, I'm a confessional poet. I can admit that it vaguely annoys me that Tabitha Carvin felt that motherhood led to loss of self and still got to have twice as many babies as I did. I'm not above occasional human childishness, but I've also known plenty of new mothers who did not share my enthusiastic lunacy. That's okay. I'm frequently a weirdo. And yet, if I'd gone on and on having children, I probably would not have learned to play the guitar or the harp or written so many songs. And then what would my podcast be about? Smug mothering, probably. I do sometimes care about what others think. But I don't know what it's like for such worries to stop me from chasing my delights and obsessions. Rather, I get so immersed in the joy of my passions that I don't even stop to think about if I look weird. I do, but it's worth it. And I applaud Tabitha Carvin for making this discovery, for going overboard with an obsession right in front of people, then writing a book about it, and inviting us all to experience that level of joy and discovery. I recommend The Lifestyle, and her book is a totally fun read. The author has a marvelous sense of humor and a magnetic flair for words. In the course of writing, she encountered a variety of Cumberbatch obsessors with a range of backstories, all of whom were inspired by their obsession to strike out into territories new to them, international travel, writing of fan fiction, podcasting, generally expanding themselves and enriching their lives, a practice that, I find, helps me to remember who I am and consequently live more productively and better equipped to be kind, helpful, and giving toward others. A worthwhile book. Thank you, dear sister, for lending it to me. Now, onward. Let's get to the song. Obsession suits me. Obsession, you're my color. I'm an autumn. Obsession gets me. I tell my stories while she nods and pours the tea. Obsession lingers and makes me pretty with the hectic searching eyes specific to the glitter of the eyes. 
The title, of course, is Obsession Poem, and these lyrics did begin life as a poem. I remember an artistically exhilarating August in 2020, utterly overflowing with inspiration for poetry and song and art, sleeping with windows wide open, cicadas wailing, muses flying in. Here is a poetic memory of that time from my latest collection of poems, Transfusion Poetica, available now on Amazon. Link in show notes. And this poem is called Sky Over Grotto. Whirling on the sky of night and wheeling on a blurred moonlight the songs of the universe. Windows open to the heat, my ear of mind sleep drunk and sweet and in slip slips of verse. I am present, weary soft, and muses flit around aloft, and primed am I to greet them. They gift their medleys, jeweled and crowned, recite, recite, and scribble down, for they will not repeat them. Thank you. Sky over Grotto. A couple of months later, I was looking to recapture that magical time when I was a favorite of the muses. I would get up in the middle of the night and steal down to the dark living room, lie down on the couch, and tune in. Note, if you haven't experienced it, tuning in, for me, is like floating in your mind, staring into the middle distance mentally, a way of almost throwing open a door to let in the songs. It works best on the edge of sleep, and when I routinely am spending time immersed in the poetry mind, that is, reading and writing poems, or making notes of potential poetical subjects and phrases... The book Transfusion Poetica, incidentally, talks a lot about the process of creating poems, even when the words aren't rolling in easily. The weirdness of the hour, around 1 o'clock a.m., really did attract spills of words that night, and Obsession Poem came spinning out, along with Dream Trash Ballad, but maybe that was a different night. Sometimes you really connect with certain poems you write, I think, and this was one of them. I don't know when I added music, though. Here's what I do know. In late October of 2020, Blixa Bargeld, German singer, musician, pioneer of industrial music, and lyricist, as well as a big muse of mine and a major inspiration for his courageous acts of art and song, started a website that was sort of like a Patreon. Also, like Gertrude Stein's Paris Salon, a gathering place for artists and writers, I like to say, and Blixa was our Gertrude, holding court, inviting our questions, handing out prompts, hanging ideas like ornaments for our consideration, and sharing his life. Quarantine was widely in full swing. Performing artists had no place to be, gigs all canceled, and Blixa Bargeld seemed to be in almost a panic of boredom. He confessed in one early webcast that the grocery delivery was the highlight of his day. This website was meant to cultivate community and mutual inspiration. I entered the website a day or two in, or maybe even the day it launched, sitting in the parking lot outside of my part-time library job, waiting for it to be time to go into work. People seemed shy about posting. The admin, Blix's wife Erin, encouraged people to post whatever they wanted, get to know people, and start groups for people to join. I immediately joined the existent poetry group, and right there in the library parking lot, started up a songwriting group. People trickled into the group, but for months, I was the only one who would post anything. The following January, I joined the hashtag 100 Day Project, posting my art on Instagram. I had two goals, practice daily visual art and get better at my purple harpsicle harp, which I'd had for a year but didn't play very often. So I maintained two 100 Day Projects. 
100 days of poem pictures, which were drawings accompanied by a line or two of original verse, and 100 days of hashtag purple harp blue lipstick. The harp songs had to be less than a minute long for Instagram posting, and I mostly took on segments of favorite popular songs of mine with a few original numbers thrown in. The videos of the harp songs I'd written myself are partly what I now draw from for the music on this podcast. And here is the harp version I set down. Obsession suits me. Obsession, you're my color, I'm an autumn. Obsession gets me. I tell my stories while she nods and pours the tea. Obsession lingers and makes me pretty with the hectic searching eyes. Specific to the glitter of the eyes. I just checked. Obsession Poem was posted on Day 7 of the 100 Day Project, February 6, 2021. I don't know at what point I decided to share it on the songwriting forum on the Blixa Bargeld website, but let me say this. A day or two later, I checked in on the Blixa site, always first visiting what was called the Daily Blixa, a daily thought, a prompt, just a line or two, first in German, then in English translation, and people would springboard from it into poetry, questions, and related discussions. Very soon after I flung Obsession Poem as song into the songwriting group, the Daily Blixa read as follows, Obsession makes the world turn. Okay, actually, having just confirmed from a screenshot in my camera roll, it was Obsessions Save the World. English only, no German version, posted February 8th, 2021, two days after I posted the song on Instagram, which is probably the same day I posted it to the Blixa site. Incidentally, the daily Blixa for February 9th was Das Neue hat schöne Augen, which is German for The New Has Pretty Eyes. I would like to think this references the line in my obsession song, Obsession lingers and makes me pretty with the hectic searching eyes, and that it also refers to my eyes, but such is the occasionally over-exuberant nature of my romantic side, which makes life one delicious roller coaster ride, I can happily tell you. Obsessions save the world. That could be 100% coincidence. Obsessions were certainly not new on Blixa Bargeld's radar. I've seen an interview with him on YouTube from around 1988, when I was just a gangly adolescent squirt, in which he is asked specifically about his personal obsessions, as if they'd been overheard to come up in some previous interview elsewhere. And he says, I'm not talking about my obsessions in public. Given several opportunities, he declines, softening the refusal with, I don't want to disappoint people. Let's obsess about that for a moment. No, not really. Withdrawn, we are all entitled to our private obsessions, if in fact we are able to contain them. I usually can't. At age 40, I heard the phrase confessional poet used to describe Anne Sexton in a poetry podcast. And immediately, a Generation X creep was validated. A mattress full of shameful self-centered poetry was brought out of the shadows. The window shades were raised. Maybe it was just in my town, but during my youth, people would chastise and ridicule if you talked about yourself too much. Now that I have tapped into a little more language, I like to think I'm a storyteller. 
reaching out to fellow humans to connect over universal experiences or exchanging experiences, sharing as, quote, fellow passengers to the grave, in the words of Charles Dickens. So maybe our seeming obsession conversation was pure coincidence, but I cherish the timing anyway. To the day I die, I know the version I'll tell the grandkids or neighborhood kids or the mail carrier when I'm old and twice as confessional as I am now. I don't know if I'd seen the YouTube secret obsession interview before writing the poem and became inspired to do so, but that is certainly possible. A moment's connection between your unknown everyday housewife artist and, some have said through the years, an otherworldly demigod. Now that is some on-target obsession language. Incidentally, one other even cooler thing happened before I streamlined the monthly budget and bid the Blixasite farewell after a year and a half. In spring of 2021, Blixa Bargeld released some lyrics, two or three songs worth, and invited us subscribers to do with them what we liked. I toiled for several weeks, experimenting with melodies to put to some lyrics containing the recurring phrase, Dear Carlo. I've written songs by request before, and even got paid once to write a jingle for a gaming channel on Twitch. And I took the assignment seriously, of course. I took this one seriously, too. The most seriously of any song I've written? I don't know. I've reached the age where I understand the fact that what comes out of me is what comes out of me. Radical acceptance, plus a measure of editing. There will be a future episode about that called Soul Gong, just see if there isn't. So anyway, I got my version of Dear Carlo up and running and posted it to the site. The tune is mine, the lyrics are not. They belong to Blixa Bargeld. And when I left the site a few months ago, it didn't occur to me to ask if I could post my version of the song elsewhere. But I will throw in the last few seconds of it here, where I have sort of jumbled the lyrics and added my own spin on some of them. Fair use and nine listeners and all that. Dear Carlo. The universe is kind. The universe is hollow. The universe is Carlo. The universe is making a glorious cake. Well, that's the coolest thing I ever did. A collaboration with Blixa Bargeld. My tune, his lyrics. So bitchin'. About a month after I posted it, my friend from the website, who always very kindly messaged me on Instagram if something cool had happened on the Blixa site, because as it grew, I became overwhelmed with the navigating of it and stayed away for weeks at a time. Well, that friend messaged me, Amy, go to the forum. Blixa thanked you for dear Carlo. And he did. There was his little icon and the words, hey, thank you for that. Holy smokes. I took a screenshot and had it printed at Walgreens. I was pretty sure at that point that nothing any cooler could possibly happen in connection with that website. But I hung around another year just in case he released more lyrics and to read the autobiographical posts he wrote in response to our prompts and questions. When people started going to concerts and gigs again, it seemed the right time to go. There would be less time with our Gertrude Stein, I guessed. That particular obsession will always be knitted into some part of me, like the part of me that was once compelled to draw 100 portraits of Klaus Vormann. What is it about German artists? Damn. Blixa goes on lending impulsive sparkles to arbitrary days, always a good portrait subject for the inside of my composition book cover, never stingy, with fearless inspiration. Hmm. 
See what passion does? In this case, it made me feel inspired and connected, led to a friendship or two on the forum, and made me want to try. Just the other day, I attended a free Zoom workshop on creating your own obsession zine through Sarah Band Books and taught by Danica Novgorodov, a graphic novelist and artist. Sarah Band Books offers weekly zine tutorials led by well-known writers and artists, but I just learned that fact, so this was my first, but probably not my last. I knew this episode was coming, but I'd gotten a little stuck while writing it. I stumbled on a notice for the Zoom class, Obsession Zine, and hooray, it did light a fire under me. The workshop begins with you having prepared ahead with a one-sheet booklet. This is where you take a single sheet of paper and fold it and make one cut in it, then refold it so that it makes a perfect little book with a front cover, six inside pages, and a back cover. If you happen to be tuned into our poetry scene last April, aka National Poetry Month, you might recall my poet pal, Angela Yuriko-Smith, sharing instructions for just such a one-sheet booklet, then inviting people to make their own and dress it up with a poem or something concerning poetry and send them to her because she collects them. I certainly participated, and in fact, I printed up about a dozen or more little books adorned with my poem, Hello, Klaus, and left them among the lemons, hot sauce, and breakfast cereal in random grocery stores on Poet in Your Pocket Day. I left one inside a coffee mug at Bed Bath & Beyond, another on the coffee counter at Panera Bread, and one among the happy birthday tiaras at Party City, where I searched too long for just the right spot, then felt like a creep and decided I should buy something. Mike and Ike's for my kid, and little boom whackers. And I stood one Hello Klaus booklet in a display of Tony's Choco Lonely Bars at World Market, and I'm pretty sure a teen boy rolled up to it just as I walked away to see what was what. Poetry! That's what. Let's take one more poetry break. I give you Hello Klaus with Party City Boom Whacker accompaniment. Hello Klaus. Hello, Klaus Foreman. You are my husband, at least for the span of this dream. Your pants the color of berry jam as we attend a stern book club led by my childhood piano teacher, who in real life was precise, but always kind and smiling. Unlike at this book club, where she is determined to exact order upon chaos. It is a grand, long, exacting suburban living room, and she holds court in front of the fire. She does, in fact, the majority of the talking. The rest of us are hopeless gutter snipes. Later, in the kitchen, as we nibble, she requires assistance, moving something to the basement. I volunteer Klaus Dreamboat Vorman, version 1967, who is my husband. My piano teacher transforms. Her eyelids relax. She notices the slim fit of your berry pants, half smiles, arches an eyebrow, and congratulates me on the cut of your trousers. Hello, Klaus. Thank you for listening. That was Party City Boomwhacker accompaniment. Ah, Klaus. Ah, poetry. The obsessions flow freely in this friendly space. I invite you to investigate hashtag 100 portraits of Klaus or hashtag 100 portraits of Klaus Vorman, I used both, on Instagram for that impulsive project that spanned three months. 
Anyway, the Obsession Zine Workshop was wonderful fun. The fact that I had neglected to prepare my booklet, only allowing me time to make notes and sketches for two Obsession Zines, Ghost Stories and Cake Baking. Let's read them here. Relax, they're short. <clears throat> Ghost Stories. Ghost stories consume me, but only sometimes and in theory. They honor those who walked this earth before us in flesh and the mystery of those who continue to roam after death. From my earliest days tuning into the count on Sesame Street and Scooby-Doo, the imagery of the spooky called to me. The library books with the skull stickers on their spines, all mine. The book covers sang my name from bookstore shelves, especially the one with the woman floating above her grave. A writer of ghost stories, I dream of holding that identity as my own. But there is an obstacle, alas. I find that if I spend too much time in the darkness, the darkness takes me over, frightening me and filling me. I conclude that I must continue helplessly to collect volumes of ghostly tales, listen to them in podcasts, and occasionally scribble my way to my own doom. The end. Cake Baking I love to bake a cake from the ground up, from its very elements, and layer it with mounds of homemade frosting. I don't know why, except that cake is almost always welcome, and the process is warm, calming, and scented with vanilla. I am sort of a homebody. It's a weird thrill to be at home, admiring the 2 p.m. sun splash on the wall and perfume the house with the aroma of slow baking. Though an unpopular stance in the 90s, I was enthralled with the housewives of Nick at Night and their baking, especially Donna Reed making donuts and Mary Tyler Moore laboring over fresh apple strudel with Millie when they found out that British pop idols Chad and Jeremy were coming. But once I became a fairly dazzling baker of cakes, I learned of the toxic effects of sugar on the human body. However, this beautiful ritual is woven into me now, and cakes will appear at birthdays, on random afternoons, and in my art. The end. The last page shows a standing mixer with Who Wants to Lick the Bowl? scrawled on the bowl. I ran out of time and room before I could wax wordy about my collection of old cookbooks and the connection I feel with the cake-baking, cake-eating women of the old television show Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Oh my gosh, this is fun. I couldn't possibly have waited for birthday month to do this episode. It is a call to celebrate life. I'll absolutely listen to it on my birthday while eating a pink frosted vanilla cake I will have baked for me and the others, of course. Thank you, Obsession, for making life grand. Speaking of Obsession, did you hear that Daisy Rock version of Obsession poem at the beginning of the show? How the word T fell on an A minor chord? Clearly, it should have been a C chord. Let's just fix that. Obsession Poem, Obsessive Version 3 on the Taylor Gemini Mini Acoustic Electric, Unplugged. 
All songs written and performed by me, Amy Zollers, except for what I like to call my magical collaboration with Mr. Blixa Bargeld, Dear Carlo, excerpt, lyrics by Blixa Bargeld, tune by Amy Zollers, performed by Amy Zollers on the Purple Harpsicle Harp. Oh, life. If you care to discuss or confess your obsessions, email to podcastaminor at gmail.com or message at Instagram at podcast in a minor, where you can also find videos of the songs from the podcast, as well as artwork and other fun gibberish, art and poetry on Instagram at hypnos underscore and underscore outrage, and etsy.com slash hypnos and outrage, all one word. Books of poetry with art available through my Amazon author link in the show notes. And other cool things in the show notes, like Sarah Band Books, the Books of Bargeld website, Angela Rico Smith's instructions for folding a one-sheet booklet, and more. Thanks for stopping by. Masta, masta, the Encyclopedia Neurotica. It's my rule in the plan. I must, and I must, and I must.